University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkland. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. The account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. So here we first meet Abraham, or at this point his name is Abram at the beginning. And we hear it through genealogy. If, you're, if you have your Bibles open, you can look back earlier in chapter 11 there and see the long list of names that come before that. The Hebrew people love genealogy. It places them in the midst of a bigger story, a bigger picture. Even to this day, genealogy is very important to the Jewish people. So here we learn about the big story that Abram finds himself in. And even though it's a little boring to read the genealogy, we learn some important information. First of all, we learn that his name is not yet Abraham, it's Abram. Um, and we won't get into the whole name-changing thing, but his name at the beginning means Abram, which is exalted father. It speaks back to his own father, Terah, who we heard about. It's kind of like the shirt that my girls got for me in Father's Day a few years ago that in Slovak says, Nai Otec, which means like the very best dad or the best dad ever, something like that. So Abram's name pointed back to his father. Later, he would be renamed into the father of a great nation. But for now, his name is Abram. Terah, Abram's father, is 10th in line from Noah. If you look back in the genealogy, you see there that he uh, goes back to Noah. And we all know about Noah, Noah and his family, who were the new beginning for humanity in the time of the flood. So there was the great flood. You know the stories. You've heard them growing up. And if you don't know it, ask me later. I'll tell you. But you know, God saved them through the ark and all that stuff. So he was in the line of Noah and a, a line of descendants of people who had a very strong connection to Yahweh, God, who is the God that brought them through the flood and the God that his ancestors later would worship. But at this point in history, we see in Genesis that there's the flood, that God saves his people through the flood. Then there's the, the Tower of Babel where the languages were split up. And then it seems like there are several hundred years where we don't have any stories about this Yahweh, God, at all. And so by the time of Abram, this kind of God, this God is almost like a legend or a myth. They haven't heard or seen anything from him in a long time. And the Bible tells us that Terah and his family had begun to follow other gods. So we learn that Abram was the oldest of three brothers, Nahor and Haran. And Haran died young. We don't know exactly why, but we know that he had a son, Lot. We learn that Sarai, Abram's wife, was not able to have children. Today, this is a very hard thing for anybody, and many of you have family members, if you have not walked through it yourself, um, infertility and the difficulty and the grief and the frustration that that brings. In those times, it was even harder because having a lot of children really was the most important role of a family in those days, and if you didn't have children, your family was somehow broken or less than. They didn't understand how pregnancy works like we do today. They didn't have clinics where you could go and take special medicines or get pregnant by other means. A husband and his wife who couldn't have children were broken, almost literally. 
in their eyes. In the eyes of their society, they were broken. A couple like Abram and Sarai would be humiliated, they would be frustrated, they might even be scorned by their neighbors. People might have thought that they'd done something wrong, that this was a punishment, or even that they were cursed by the gods. So these are the characters that we're learning about. Reading on in chapter 11, verse 31. One day, Terach took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. So we learn that Terach takes his family out of the place that had been their family home for many, many years. That tells us a few things about Terach and his family. First of all, it probably means that they were wealthy. Um, in order to be able to move and take your whole group from one place to another and for it to be such a big ordeal like this, they had to have a lot of possessions, a lot of things to bring with them. Terach and Abram's family was very wealthy. It also probably tells us a little bit about their living, that they were traders or merchants of some sort. Maybe they uh, dealt in livestock, of uh, things that were important in those times. We're not exactly sure what, but it is clear that they were wealthy and they had a reason to move. They were moving from one place. Merchants in those times would have uh, their business set up in one place, and when more merchants came in, um, the business didn't, wasn't quite as good, so they would pick up and move to another place where they could have a more profitable business. And here is Abram. In the midst of all this, this is his father who takes the whole family and moves. Here's Abram, who can't have children of his own. People probably think he and his wife did something wrong, made the gods mad, or that they are cursed in some way. Here is Abram, who can't have children of his own, but his younger brother dies and leaves a son. And we can imagine that Abram has a very special relationship with his nephew, Lot. Here is Abram, who can't have children of his own, but he's the oldest child in a wealthy family. So when his father dies in those times, Abram would take over the family business. He would inherit most of the wealth of the family. He was set up for life. Here is Abram, who knows what it feels like to be an immigrant and a newcomer in a place that was not his own. Of all the people in the ancient world, this man, Abram, the immigrant, the childless one, the rich uncle, he is the one whom God calls. So reading on in chapter 12, we read, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. What a promise God gives to Abram. So this is Yahweh, God, the God of Abram's ancestors that comes to him, and we see him coming to Abram in several times during, throughout Abram's story. But here he comes at the beginning and says, you need to pick up everything you have, take your family, leave your father's family behind, leave all your wealth, your security, all those things that make your life um, important and certain, and leave and go somewhere. He doesn't even tell him where, he just says, go, and I'll show you where you're going. Leave behind everything you know. Leave behind your business. Leave behind your father. Leave behind your inheritance. Everything that is secure. And this is the first thing that I think Abram can teach us about what it means when God calls us. When God calls us, it usually means leaving behind something that is comfortable. This is a pattern we see through the scriptures. God calls us out of places where we are comfortable, and maybe if we admit it, a little bit lazy, and calls us to places where we might not be comfortable. But these are the places that we learn and grow because God stretches us. 
For Abram, it was leaving his home and his family and literally walking across the wilderness to a completely new place. For us, it was that kind of move when God called us to Slovakia and then when God called us back here to Baton Rouge to a place where we hadn't been before. But a physical move is not the only kind of calling that God gives us. There are many, many kinds of callings. Often God calls us internally to grow and to change. God will challenge us with some new way of seeing things, something that happens in the world that changes us and makes us see God and our world differently. We need to become more mature, more like Jesus. And that means we may have to stop some habits or make new habits. We may have to behave and think in new and different ways. Sometimes God calls us as individuals to serve in a new way in the church or maybe to serve outside the church in some way. Sometimes God calls the church itself to do things in a new way, like when you decided a couple of years ago to put your services online during COVID. That was a calling. The world had changed. You had to adapt to that change. That was a way that God called you. You didn't have to make that decision. You could have just stopped everything, but you chose to keep going and do something in a different way. Maybe it means going to do a ministry in the prison or going to a low-income neighborhood. Maybe it means opening the doors of our facility to groups and people who can find a home here. Maybe it means leaving behind some things that have been a part of this church for a long time that aren't a part of us really anymore. These are callings, and they all have something in common. They make us leave behind what felt comfortable before. The next thing I think we can learn from Abram's story is that when God calls us, we probably won't know all the details. God did not give Abram a map. He didn't say that you were going to come to this particular end destination. He didn't say you're going to walk west until you see this tree, you're going to stop at this tree, take a left, go south to Egypt and do this and this and this. He didn't even give him a direction. He just said go. When God is calling you and me, when God is calling our church, whether it's to change or to serve or to go somewhere new, we probably will not have a map. God probably won't say to you as an individual, you know, there's someone new here. Go speak to this person. Say this and this and then invite them to your Sunday school class and then have them to your house to do this and so on. No, the Spirit will just catch your attention as you see someone you don't know and God will say, go. I'm guessing when Tripp got involved in the open-air ministries, God didn't come to him in a vision and say, go serve downtown in this particular ministries and then volunteer to do this and do this and do this. God probably just spoke to him through a person who invited him and said, come. When we experience a calling, we may want to know all of the details. We want to know how it's going to end. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everything in life was that way? If we knew how all of our journeys were going to go and we knew exactly what to expect in the next step, but we really never have that kind of certainty in life and certainly not in God's calling. God simply says go. So we have to take the first step and then the next step and then the next step and God reveals the path as we walk on it. While it may be frustrating and scary sometimes to go without these instructions, it's what helps us grow in our faith. Because if God gave us all those instructions ahead of time and said it's going to be like this and this and this, then why do we need God? We don't have to listen anymore. It helps us be reliant on and have faith in God. Which brings me to another thing that I think that we can learn from Abram's story. When God calls us, God is going to walk with us. 
Abram travels to Canaan, a journey of maybe 500 miles in that time. And remember, most of this was on foot or by camel or whatever they were riding. We don't know how long it took, but eventually they came to the land of Canaan. And in verse 6, I'm just going to kind of summarize more of the story now. Um, Abram comes to this great tree at a place called Morech. And God appears to Abram there and says, I am here, and this is the land I'm going to give to you and to your descendants. Now, if I was Abraham, Abram, excuse me, I might think, finally, I'm here. This is the place I'm supposed to be. I've come 500 miles. I'm tired from the desert. I'm going to take my sandals off, build an altar, and stay right here. But that's where things get confusing because that's not what happened. He didn't stop there and build a house. He kept going. It was only a stop on the journey. It wasn't the destination. So Abram moves on. In verse 8, we see he goes towards Bethel, another city there, and builds another altar and worships God. But he doesn't stop there. Then he turns south and goes to Negev, which is the south in Hebrew. It means the south part of that area. And they went south and farther south all the way to Egypt. And as you read Abram's story, you find that at each place along the way, God comes to him again and says, this is the place you're supposed to be. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Keep going. Keep traveling. Abram doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't know where the journey is going to end, but he knows without a doubt that God is there with him each step to remind him that God is there. There's another thing that we can learn from Abram's story, and that is that when God calls us, God doesn't stop calling us. Just like Abram kept journeying and kept moving from place to place, it was a journey that never ended. God, in the same way, when God calls us, God calls us farther and deeper. You've probably seen this in your own life. When you grow, when you reach a certain place in your life with God, God doesn't say, okay, you can stay here for the rest of the life. You're perfect now. You don't need to learn anymore. You don't need to grow anymore. There's none of that. There's always more learning, more growing to do, more stepping out in faith, trying something different and new. God is always calling us to something farther, just one more step at a time, one more step. Just keep walking, and I'll show you the way as you go. You've seen this in the church. This church has grown and changed over the years of its existence. People have come, people have gone. You've had some amazing victories, but God has never let you stay in one place for very long, and God has not finished with this church yet. God has many more places to take us, to come deeper, to come farther, and God doesn't stop calling. Even though things may not look like they used to, God is still walking with us, and God is calling us deeper still. There's another story in Abram's journey that we probably know well from Sunday school. I heard this story growing up about how Abram and Lot had a disagreement. Do you remember this story? Um, well, I'll kind of summarize for you. So we read a couple of chapters farther. We see that Abram has never stopped moving. He is, if he was watching his step counter, he sure would have been very, very high by this point. So he left Ur to come to Haran. He left Haran to come to Canaan. He went Canaan to Bethel, to Negev, to Egypt, and back finally. And on this journey, Abram has become wealthy once again. Now remember, he had to leave all his family stuff behind. He took his own possessions with him, but he had to go and leave all the family business and stuff behind. So, but he hadn't forgotten how to make money. Uh, that's just something that he was good at. So over time, as he traveled through these areas, he did what he did best, and he became very wealthy once again. He makes his way back up to where he built an altar before, but he doesn't stop there. And it was a place that he knew well, um, and he decides to rest there for a little while. They pitch their tents, and they stick there. And this may be the place you would think that Abram finally is going to be able to rest and make his home and claim this place that God has promised him. They've gotten good. Things have gotten good for Abram's family, and maybe even a little bit too good. 
because he and his nephew were both so wealthy that they couldn't stay in the same place. Now, Lot had also become wealthy in his own family, and they had begun to um, have their own merchant businesses. And you can't have these two kind of businesses in the same area for very long because they compete against each other, and you just don't, you just don't make the kind of money. So it really became obvious that they needed to split. Um, in the scriptures, it says that their shepherds were arguing with each other because there was good pasture land, and they were arguing about who get the better pasture land. And you can imagine that this also caused a lot lot of distress in their relationship between Abram and Lot. So this was a difficult thing, and they're fighting with each other and trying to figure out how to solve the problem. Now, Abram, remember, is still the head of the family. He's the chief. He should have told Lot to go off somewhere else. After all, God said, I will give this land to you and your descendants, and it was in that very place that God had promised it. So if Abram looks around him at that place where he is, he sees all this land that God has promised to him. If anyone has a right to stop and take his sandals off and be comfortable and make other people do something, it's Abram. But Abram is humble. He is wise. And he knows that if he wants to keep this relationship with his nephew, he needs to be gracious. Abram should have been the one to make the choice. He has the authority, but out of love, he gives the choice to Lot. It doesn't make sense to me, looking from Abram's perspective. If he gives up the best area, how is he going to inherit this beautiful place that God has promised to him? How is God going to fulfill God's promise now if Abram leaves the very best land? But Abram understood one more thing about calling that we need to remember this morning, and that is when God calls us, God will always provide what we need. He could have fought for the good land. He could have forced Lot to go somewhere else where it would be harder for him to feed his livestock. But Abram knew God was still calling him forward, so he chose love over authority. He chose love over his rights. It might be this way with us. Sometimes we may not understand how things will work out when God has called us to do something. Sometimes, like Abram, we will be disappointed and hurt Obviously, in this time of change, God is calling our church to stretch and grow, and it may mean leaving behind some things that have been an important part of our church in the past. It may mean making some difficult choices, but we have to trust, like Abram did, that God will provide all the resources and the way to make it happen. God provides. I've seen it in my life. I believe you've seen it in your life, and Abram didn't doubt that. He trusted that God would take care of him. So Lot makes his choice and, of course, takes the better land. And when Lot is gone, gone, God comes to Abram and reminds him, I told you I would take care of you. You will still have this land for yourself and your descendants. And Abram makes another altar and worships God in that place. We could keep reading and learning from Abram. He has an amazing story. I don't know if you've ever read through it. It really is quite an incredible tale of the way that he follows God and makes mistakes along the way. He does make some pretty serious mistakes. Um, if you are familiar with those, just read it and see some of the stupid things he does. But I don't have a way to criticize anybody for being stupid because I make my own mistakes. But there's one last thing that I feel like we can learn from Abram's story. And it comes from the very end of Abram's life. And when we see the end of Abram's life, we realize that God's promise has not yet been fulfilled. God has made a promise to Abram. Abram left behind everything that was comfortable. He went on this journey in a part of the world that is difficult and inhospitable. He made his home in a new place. All of these promises that God had made that you were going to be the father of a great nation, all of this land I will give to you and your descendants will own it. And when Abram dies, he only still has the the two children, he was lucky to have those, Ishmael, who's gone off on his own, and Isaac, who is his son. That's not 
a great and mighty nation quite yet. And this land that God promised that he would inherit, uh, Abram sees part of it, and they have part of it, but he doesn't have all of it yet. The places that he's traveled, he's seen some beautiful places there in Palestine, but it's still not his yet. And when Abram dies, the promise is unfulfilled. And what this reminds me about calling is that when God calls us, it's to be part of something that's bigger than just us. God's calling to Abram was not just so that Abram could have a lot of land and a lot of money and a big family. God's calling to Abram and God's promise to Abram wasn't even about blessing us, his descendants, these many thousands of years later. God's calling is about something bigger, about making the kingdom real here on earth, about creating a place where we can feel safe, where we don't have to be afraid, about making a world anew again. God's calling to Abram was about part of that. Abram didn't see the fulfillment of it. You and I have seen some of it, but still not all of it. And when God calls us, it's always to something bigger than who we are. When God, we find out what it is that God is calling this church to do, step by step, we will not see the end of it. We will not see, we may not see these pews full in the way that they were 20, 30 years ago. Um, we may not see uh, brand new buildings going up. But we can be assured that God is bringing us into a story that's bigger than just about making you and I happy about the place we go to church that's just about blessing us, but it's about blessing the whole world and blessing this community. So Abram has a lot to teach us about calling. And I want to ask you a question this morning and give you a few moments of silence to consider your answer. What is God calling you to right now? 